the business savvy singer. Hey there, and welcome to the Business Savvy Singer podcast. I'm Dr. Greta Pope, and I'm so glad that you're here. This podcast is dedicated to vocalists and to those who love them. We interview singers who are working professionally to get a glimpse into their lives and celebrate their personal journey to success. Join us weekly to learn how to move your career forward. Get tips and recommendations to help you realize the career of your dreams. You're listening to the Business Savvy Singer Podcast, brought to you by the privatemusicstudio.net, providing online education to build sustainable careers in music. Also, Eternal Wolf Music, producing audio for every need. And Greta Pope Entertainment, for the finest in entertainment. Welcome to Season 2 of the Business Savvy Singer Podcast. This season, not only will we be hearing from singers, we will also be hearing from professionals providing support services to singers. Today's episode consists of a recent presentation by attorney Ed Wimp. He was speaking to professionals in all fields. The topic is patience and persistence. Attorney Wimp talks about finding success in the journey to accomplishing our goals. A lot of good information shared here. Patience and persistence. Your past does not have to be your future. You can make the affirmative decision at any juncture of your life to change the course of it and and to pursue what you want to pursue and to be who you ultimately want to be. So going into my presentation, I wanted to start out with a poem that I truly, uh, that that speaks to me personally. You know, this, this presentation is called Patience and Persistence, Enjoying the Road to Success. And I think this poem embodies enjoying the road to success and enjoying the road to a goal. I'm sure many of you have heard this poem before. Well, it's relatively popular, but I'll read it for you and you can read along. Stopping by Woods on a Snowy Evening by Robert Frost. Whose woods these are, I think I know. His house is in the village though. He will not see me stopping here to watch his woods fill up with snow. My little horse must think it queer to stop without a farmhouse near. Between the woods and frozen lake, the darkest evening of the year. He gives his harness bells a shake to ask if there's some mistake. The only other sounds the sweep of easy wind and downy flake. The woods are lovely, dark and deep, but I have promises to keep and miles to go before I sleep and miles to go before I sleep. This poem's always resonated with me, so I think it accurately portrays the contrast <clears throat> between having a definitive goal you need to get to, but also taking time to, to stop and smell the roses, to, to enjoy the goal, to enjoy the process of getting there. This person's on a horse, and he's obviously got to get somewhere. Who knows where he has to get? <laughs> but he's on a horse on a mission to get somewhere. And, and he stops to watch the snowfall to just observe his surroundings, 
And this is crucial. You know, whenever we're on some sort of a journey, working towards some sort of a goal, it's, there, there's no enjoyability in just pursuing that goal and pursuing the goal. Because goals, like when we accomplish goals, we don't actually really get long-term gratification from that. You accomplish the goal, you celebrate for the time being, then that goal just becomes your life. And, and, and that goal no longer has the same meaning that it had before, and you have a new goal. And you're always working towards another goal. So it's important to enjoy that process of pursuing the goal. Enjoy the struggle. I know that many times when I look back on college, for example, when I was in college, I wanted that college degree. But when I look back on college, I enjoyed the time that I was in college. I enjoyed going through the process. I enjoyed my friends. I enjoyed going to the classes. I enjoyed learning. That's what college was about. It wasn't just about that degree. It was more about the experience in getting that degree. So towards the end of this poem, the woods are lovely, dark, and deep, but I have promises to keep and miles to go before I sleep and miles to go before I sleep. It's the analyzation that, yes, these woods are beautiful. Yes, there's a lot that's out here that's tempting that, that I would love to stay and just observe my beautiful surroundings, but I do still have that mission. I still need to keep on track. So the road to success is very similar to this. Yes, you're trying to get to that successful point, but the road itself is where the gratification lies and where the lessons are learned. Touched on this briefly while reading that poem, but the notion that success is infinite. And I think that many times we get boggled down with this notion of destination addiction. That if we just were able to accomplish this one goal, or if we were able to make this amount of money, or if we were able to buy this car, or if we were able to just do this one thing, that all of our problems will be alleviated. But that's just not the case. There, there, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer that there's no accomplishment or possession or anything that you can have that will that will alleviate your issues what you need to be come to, to peace with is everything between those goals everything between those accomplishments and fall in love with the process of accomplishing for as long as we live we're going to be accomplishing new things and finding success in more and more things and success can be can, can range you know there's short-term goals there's long-term goals the fact of the matter is that we'll be successful in, in the large majority of them. There's, we have multiple deadlines at work that we will reach, but if we just worry about the deadline itself, that there's no happiness in that. We need to find happiness in the process of reaching all of these deadlines and all of these goals. So I think that the takeaway is that we cannot only look to success for gratification. There's a lot more that falls within, within gratification than just success. So pressing on to this title that, I, that I've named this speech, uh, patience and persistence. So why, why these two words? What does that even mean, right? And I don't know what it is, but patience and persistence, these two words are just rang in my head every time that I'm tasked 
was something that a goal that I either assigned for myself or a goal that's assigned to me, something that I just don't want to do. Um, I always, these, these words always ring. And at first glance, they seem as though they're an oxymoron. They seem as though they don't quite fit together. They appear as though they're opposites, right? We look at patience, and, and many times we think of patience as taking a slow route, possibly even the negative connotation that it's, it's a lackadaisical approach. Um, and then we look at persistence, and many times we think the opposite. Many times we think persistence is being annoying or persistence is, is stressing. But neither one of these are, are the case. And if we look at them together, they provide a nice balance for a way to approach any task in life and any goal that we look to accomplish. When I was writing my book, Building Fans, Fame and Wealth, the 18 Revenue Streams of Music, I knew that I want, so I started out, the reason I wrote the book is because I was doing a lot of speaking engagements to musicians or you know, at different conferences and colleges and high schools and teaching people how to build a viable music career. And people were booking me for consulting engagements and I was realizing you know, there, there's no way that I have enough time in my schedule to be able to meet with all these people. And I need to figure out a way that I can get all of my thoughts down on paper and a book and sell this book to people so that more people can access this information. So I started out and, and this was a daunting, daunting, daunting pro process. Um, you know, when I looked at it from the beginning, it, you know, it's, it's like looking at Mount Everest and trying to figure out how you're going to get up there. You know, a book is not an easy feat to come by. Writing it is difficult. And then that's just the beginning part of it. You know, how do you get it printed? How do you get the graphic design for it? How do you get it formatted? How do you get it in stores? How do you get it in front of people? So what I did was I just one day started on my computer and I just started writing, right? I just started the process and I was patient in the respect that, you know, this book's not going to get written overnight. It's not going to be released tomorrow. It's not going to be released next year probably. But if I just start and I don't stress the time, one day it'll, it'll be a little bit further along and then I'll cross the next bridge when I get to it and the next bridge and the next bridge and hopefully one day it will be in somebody's hands. I was also persistent in the sense that every day I did something with that book. So, and, and, and during no days did I do too much. There was never a day when I burned the candle at both ends and let that exhaust me. I was never exhausted writing the book. But every day I would get up and I would do, some days it'd be a chapter, other days it'd be a few paragraphs. But I was persistent in that, but patient the whole time, knowing that this will not happen anytime soon. So in total, the, the whole process took me about two years. And, and I was actively working on tour during this process. So many times I'd you know, be on the bus working, or I'd be on a plane writing, or I'd get to the hotel and write. And it took me about two years. And got the, and I finished the book. Finally, got to the stage where it was ready to. Uh, re we were ready to look into graphic design work, ready for the formatting, and sure enough, 
one day I had a book. And, you know, people constantly, you know, ask, oh my God, how much time did it take? How did you find the time to do that? You know, like it, that, that's such a, that's such a big task. And it's not, if you just do one small thing every day towards anything, you will get there. So the first time that I ever put patience and persistence to the test was with that book. And it worked. Um, it certainly worked. And I now have a book that is in Barnes and Noble on Amazon. And, and, and I'm very proud of that work, not just because I'm proud of the content itself, but I'm proud of the lessons that I learned through writing it. <laughs> so I, I touched on patience and persistence in my free form <laughs> speech to you guys, but I wanted to also break it down um, to these bullet points just to, just to better identify what I mean by patience. And as I mentioned just now briefly, it's understanding that success will not happen immediately, nor wishing for it to happen immediately. Anything that's worth doing does take time. There's a reason why certain things are so important to you. It's because it doesn't come easily. And that's, that's specifically why it's so important that you accomplish it. And that's why you hold it near to your heart when you do. So it's certainly understanding that this is supposed to take a long time. And lastly, it's making the most of where you are while you're there. There were times when I was in college where I wanted to be done with college. I wanted to have my degree and I wanted to move on with my life. I wanted to be able to use my degree to, to, to finally start working and making some money. Um, and it wasn't until I got older that I realized, okay, you know, I mean, that, that certainly is the reason why you're there. That's the reason why you're in college. But there's so much more that college has to offer. And there's a lot about that time that you'll never have again. You know, you'll never live on a campus with a bunch of your closest friends again. You know, that's just not something that, you know, that, that happens, you know. So there's a lot of things that if we just continue to look forward, we miss all that we're experiencing during the time. And that goes back to that Robert Frost poem of, yes, you might be on a mission, you might be moving towards something, but don't forget to take, take the time to appreciate where you are in that moment. And then persistence, a couple breakdowns here. I'll start with this quote that I heard a while ago. Ambition is the path to success and persistence is the vehicle you arrive in. So, Commonly, you know, especially during my, my time consulting with musicians, a lot of people will say, oh, Ed, you know, I want this so badly. You know, I, I want to I be this artist so badly. I want, I want blank so badly. And that's great. You know, that, that's wonderful that you want it badly. But wanting something is not nearly half the battle to actually getting it. Everyone wants something. Everyone wants to do something. Everybody wants something for their life. But the ambition and the want is not enough. The ambition has to be paired with some constant action to get there. 
And you look at a lot of um, athletes, you know, and, and not only do they want to be the best athlete, but they're shooting free throws for hours on end, or they're making practice putts on the green for hours on end. And that is where success comes from. That's the persistence. Those are those actions that you do every day that create those habits that actually ultimately end in success. The next one, success is on the other side of many small repetitive actions, which I just touched on. And success is not nearly as heroic as we're led to believe. We have this thing in society that we think that, you know, people become successful overnight or watching the Super Bowl and see this, you know, great pass where, you know, the wide receiver catches the ball and the team wins and, and, they, and they go off to victory. Well, yes, that's a great play. It was a, it was a great action. But it's not as heroic as it looks. These people have been training to do this their whole entire lives. And it's the, it's the result of a lot of small, repetitive actions every day of their life practicing that ultimately ends in what looks to be heroic. But it's not heroic. We're all capable of doing grand, big things if we just put a little bit towards it every day. I wanted to touch a bit on one of the better uh, experiences of my life which was touring uh, and being on the tour management staff of Earth, Wind & Fire. And this also plays into the patience and persistence theme of this presentation and how I even started working with Earth, Wind & Fire. And then it plays into the enjoying the road to success theme with everything that I learned while working with Earth, Wind & Fire. So I was coming upon my time ending at Monmouth and I really did not know what the future held for me. I didn't know what I wanted to do. You know, it's kind of a scary thing when you're about to graduate from anywhere and just be released into the world and uh, with no, no real direction. And, and you know, you, you've had this routine for the past four years of, you know, waking up, going to the cafeteria, eating and going to class, you know, and, and then just being released into the world and having to figure out what your calling is or what, why you're even, um, you know, where you'll go with your career. So, Earthman, or, uh, Monmouth College was coming to an end, and it was around February, and I was aware that um, a family friend of ours was the tour manager for, for Earthman and Fire. So I figured, okay, I've played music my whole life, and I wanted, but it had been a dream of mine to always work in music at a larger level. So not just to play, you know, during, during my music, my personal music career of playing music, um, I've toured extensively, but never on a huge, grand, big level, right? So I always wanted to do that. I always wanted to work with an artist where I was touring on a big level, you know, playing, or, you know, working at amphitheaters and, and traveling overseas to, to tour and whatnot. So, I contacted this family friend and I asked him, you know, is it possible that I could somehow get involved in the music industry with you in some capacity, some shape or form? And he essentially told me, you know, let, let me, you know, let me know when you're, when you're coming up on finishing your college degree and 
contact me and I'll let you know. So sure enough, you know, I was patient, you know, and that I wasn't, you know, stressing it. You know, I finished my, my time at Monmouth College and I, I passed all my final exams, God willing. <laughs> Thank God. Um, it was definitely, definitely nerve wracking. Um, and graduated and I finally, you know, reached out to him again and said, you know, hey, you know, I know that you said that there might be a chance that I could work with you and I'm just following up. I'd like to see if, if there's an opportunity. So it took a few phone calls, you know, I was persistent, not annoying persistent, but I let him know that it was important to me. I let him know that, you know, it, I'm not, I'm going to actively look for this opportunity. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Um, but I do hope that it does work because I'm a hard worker and I am, I'm going to get the job done. So he finally invited me out to a show in Chicago, right? I lived in Chicago at the time. He invited me to a show to shadow him for the day. So basically I showed up, it was middle of June, 2012, right after I graduated college in 2012 and showed up and, and shadowed him the whole day. And, and he put me to work. Um, you know, I did some merchandise work. I did just this different work uh, for that show. And when the show came to an end, he invited me to come out on the second leg of the tour. So that summer, there were two legs of the tour. There, there's one that was ending maybe a week after that show. And then starting in like mid-July, there was another leg of the tour that was going for like another month. So he invited me to come out on the second leg of that tour, which I was, I was, I was shocked. You know, I, I certainly did not think that he would, he would then at that time invite me to come on the tour. Um, and that patience and persistence was working. So that turned into a job. And the crazy thing about touring, the crazy thing about, you know, being on the road is that it's such a fast paced life. You know, you're, you're, it's fun. You're doing a lot of really cool things. But it's so fast paced, you don't really many times get the chance to enjoy what you're doing. And there's a couple moments that come to mind that I want to share from my time with Earth, Moon, Fire, where, you know, and, and at a time when it's difficult to slow down, it's difficult to stop and, and, and observe all that's around you. Um, but there's a few times when I was truly able to do it and, and just enjoy the moment. And one of those times was in London when we had done a, so I grew up a big fan of the Beatles. You know, I've always loved the Beatles. One of my favorite groups of all time. And we had a show at Abbey Road. This was a small private event. And I forget exactly who it was for, but it was for either, it was like for like some like London stockbrokers or some elite um, group of people that, Somehow it rented out Abbey Road and Earthland and Fire was playing a show at Abbey Road um, Studios, which, as you guys know, is where Beatles recorded albums. There's been a lot of legendary albums recorded there. Probably the most famous studio in, in the world. So we're, you know, at Abbey Road and Earthland and Fire plays and, and it's a normal day. You know, we're hustling, you know, and, and we're, we're making the show happen and we're putting everything together. Show happens, and it turns out for that we, you know, for a few days we were staying in London, so we weren't traveling anywhere else. We, we had, I know we had a show in London, we had at least two shows or three shows in London, or not far from London. 
So we were staying at the same hotel in London. And following that show, you know, we got everything sorted out after the show. And I just sat in one of the dressing rooms, which was one of the studios. The studios in Abbey Road had been transformed into dressing rooms for this event. And I just sat there, you know, and enjoyed a glass of wine and just thought about what had just happened. You know, here I am. I, I think the Beatles were my first CD that I ever owned um, for me when I was, who knows, eight, nine, ten years old. And here I am sitting in Abbey Road, enjoying Glass of Wine after doing a show there with Earth, Wind & Fire. And, you know, it was just one of those moments where I was just thankful that I had just taken the time to stop and enjoy. And of course, I could have, you know, you know, hopped in the car and, and head back to the, to the hotel and, and kept the night going and just, you know, and, and just kept that energy going and kept the mission going. But it was stopping and taking that time to reflect that I'll never forget as long as I live. Another, another occurrence was when I remember back in 2016, um, unfortunately, there was a, a terrible shooting in Orlando at Pulse nightclub. And many, many, many people were killed. And I remember, and I was in Orlando when that shooting occurred. And I remember that morning, you know, I woke up and I had a bunch of text messages, um, you know, just asking if I was okay. And I wasn't at the club, you know, I, I was sleeping when this shooting occurred. But my friends, you know, from Chicago and whatnot didn't know that, you know, they just heard there was a mad shooting at a club in Orlando. They were texting me and asking if I was okay. And I logged on Facebook and they had just come up with that um, mark yourself safe feature on Facebook, you know, that if there had been some terrible, um, you know, calamity in your proximity, you can mark yourself safe and alert your friends and family that you're okay. So I remember checking off that, clicking that button and marking myself safe. And then about a month later, I was out with Earth, Wind & Fire and we had just finished a show in uh, Switzerland, and we had traveled overnight to Nice, France, um, and arrived at the hotel in the morning to find out that there had been a terrible, terrible, terrible terrorist attack at Bastille Day um, in Nice, and, and a truck had, you know, basically just like gone down this road and, and hit a bunch of, of people, innocent people. And our show was supposed to be in uh, Nice that night. So basically the whole city of Nice was in a state of emergency and our show was canceled. So we were there, but there was no show. And I recall they still had catering set up. So if, if in our, our hotel was just down the street from where the show was supposed to be. So if we wanted to go get catering, you know, we could go down there and eat. Um, but there was no show. So we went, I went down with a few other band members and went down to catering and we ate on, on the ocean. And uh, it was a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful sunset. And, but it was just the most eerie time, an eerie process um, to just be sitting here eating when there was supposed to be all this, uh, all, all these people and all this, commotion and all this excitement 
Um, and here we were just eating, eating catering um, all by, you know, by ourselves. And, and at the scary time when all this horror had just occurred. And again, it was one of those times when, you know, sometimes it's important to just stop and slow down and think about what you're experiencing. Truly soak it in and think about what you're experiencing and, and slow down from just the, just the grudge and, and just the pressing on. And during that time, it really taught me, you know, I know that many times, um, you know, we're, we're very hard on, on ourselves as Americans many times. Um, but it taught me that there's, there's tragedy everywhere and that we need to, uh, to realize that and be more, more kind with each other from that perspective. Just a month earlier, it happened in Orlando, and here I was halfway across the world, and there was still tragedy. So that's, that was the lesson I took away from that and the big takeaway. So moving on. So when, when we're looking at our goals, and I know I touched on this a bit before, um, you know, I shared that Earth, Wind, and Fire story because that was, that was part of, I, I started working with that group um, when I was at a huge juncture in my life, when I wasn't sure which direction I was going in. But I knew that I wanted to work towards something that I would be happy with. And I started out with Earth, Wind, and Fire at a low level. You know, I didn't go in there and just start running the show. I started out as a low level, low on the totem pole for, for staff managers, for tour managers. Um, and for anybody watching this that's, you know, on the verge of graduating from Monmouth, or maybe you guys already had graduation, I'm not really sure, I know it's around this time. Um, it's important to realize that anything worth doing takes time and you cannot just choose the quickest route to success. There is no quick route. There is no easy way to get to where you'd like to go. So whether you're looking to go to graduate school, that's going to take time. It's going to take considerable time. Whether you're looking to pursue a career where you're going to start out at a low level, that's going to take time. Anything that's worth doing will take time. And that brings me to my next point, that the time is going to pass regardless of, of whether you're working towards a goal or not. So let's say that you want to do some sort of master's program or you want to go to law school or medical school. Understand that, yeah, it, it might be a, a rough road. It might be tiring. It might be, it might be a drag. You might hate it. Who knows? But at the end of the day, the, that time is going to pass anyway. I have a friend um, who's very close to me. He's older. He's maybe 35, 36 years old. He's older than I am. And he wants to go to law school. And he kept saying to me, you know, Ed, you know, I, I, I'm just too old to do it. I, you know, I, I can't, you know, at this point in my life, you know, go back to school. But then in the same breath, he would tell me how badly he wants to be an attorney and all these things that he would do if he were an attorney and all these ways that he would change his career path if he were an attorney. And at the end of the day, I told him, if you're 36 now, you're going to be 39 at some point regardless of if you go to law school or not. 
would you rather be 39 doing what you want to do or would you rather be 39 doing the same thing you're doing now which he's told me was not making him happy so my my advice in in that respect is that you're never too old to reinvent yourself and that time is going to pass whether you make use of it or, or whether you don't so you might as well just start making use of that time One tool, and I'm not just saying this from a biased perspective because I'm an attorney and do this day in and day out, but one tool that I've found to be very helpful is the power of negotiating. And I think that many times negotiating has such a negative uh, secondary meaning to it. Many times people think negotiating is, you know, when you're trying to buy a car and trying to talk down the price, but that's just one form of negotiation. Really, we negotiate every single day of our lives, whether we're negotiating with our loved ones, with our spouse, with our teachers, with our coworkers. Uh, we negotiate in traffic. You know, we let people, you know, merge. We or we don't let people merge. Um, we're we're constantly negotiating. We're negotiating when we're when we're grocery shopping. We're constantly negotiating. So. Negotiating isn't always, you know, that that stereotypical negotiating with, you know, a, a car salesman, but really it's negotiating with the universe. It's what you represent to the universe and how you communicate with the universe in order to make everyone around you whole. It's not you strong arming people and trying to get your way, but it's a it's a way to get a win win situation for everyone or everything involved and as we shift through life how we navigate these situations becomes incredibly crucial to our success right how we make people feel the way the things that we give to people the things that we receive from people that's crucial to our success so key considerations of negotiation are who negotiates as i just said we all negotiate in some way or another where do negotiations occur? Everywhere. We're constantly negotiating. And even in, in grocery stores, we're negotiating. Yeah, there might be a, a fixed price on apple juice, but if you don't like that price, then you leave the store. And that's part of negotiating. We're constantly, constantly, constantly negotiating. What's negotiable? Everything. And why negotiate? As I just mentioned, it's our relationship with the universe. It's the way that we make people and ourselves happy. So I have this uh, definition of negotiation up here. Uh, and it's essentially finding mutually agreeable solutions to reach satisfactory objectives. And when looking at the road to success, when looking at setting goals and accomplishing those goals, it's important to, to kind of follow this chart of the, and, and take into account these considerations every step of the way. So it's important when you're, when you're setting a goal for yourself, a negotiation for yourself, is know what you're trying to accomplish. What are you setting out to even do? What's your goal? If, if, if you, and, and you want to have a specific goal. If your goal is broad, it'll just be wandering around 
and not actually accomplishing anything. So set a goal. Develop a game plan before negotiations start. Now, I'll say this. Developing a game plan is important, and, and you should certainly have one. But I believe it was, uh, I think it was Mike Tyson that said, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. So understand that your plan might not always work. Be malleable. You know, be willing to, to change your plan. But have a plan. Absolutely have a plan. The next, study and understand your counterpart. What are you up against? What are you trying to accomplish? What are the pitfalls of what you're up against? What are the weaknesses? What are the strengths? Understand that. Work towards a win-win. I think this is the, this is the crux of negotiations in general. It, it is working towards a win-win situation. It's not working towards a win-lose. It's not saying, I want this and I'm going to get it at any cost necessary. Or I want this and I'm going to bulldoze this person to get this. That's not negotiating. Negotiating is working towards a win-win situation. It's understanding what somebody else wants and understanding what you want and understanding how those two things can work together and ultimately benefit each other. Avoid negotiating with yourself. You know, it, it, negotiating takes give and take. React strongly to an untrustworthy party. You can't always trust everyone. Not everybody's going to be there in good faith to negotiate with you and to find a solution. So it's important to understand this and have your guard up against people that are looking to take advantage or that are looking to negotiate in bad faith or situations in your life that are not good for you. And lastly, remember that it takes two parties to negotiate or renegotiate. And this harkens back to the work towards a win-win situation. You know, you need to understand who you're negotiating with and work towards a mutual agreement that's going to benefit both people. And as I said, negotiation isn't always with another person. Sometimes it is with yourself. Sometimes it's with something. I'm coming towards the end of my presentation, but I wanted to, to get this in here because I think about this constantly with negotiation. The grass is not greener anywhere else. I think it's human nature to sometimes want to have other skill sets or to be good at something that maybe you're just not good at. And what we need to always remember is that we all have a competitive advantage. We all have something that somebody else would like to have or that somebody else could utilize. We all have skill sets that, that are advantageous to us. So in, instead of looking at other people's lives and saying, hmm, I wish I had that skill set, or I wish I had this or that, say, okay, they are able to do this. I'm able to do something else that's of value. So perhaps we can work together in some particular way that's mutually beneficial to both of us. So, you know, the grass is not always greener approach. It just simply says that everybody has strengths, everybody has weaknesses. It's a matter of how you leverage and use those strengths and weaknesses in getting ahead. So just to leave you guys with the, um, at the end of my presentation, I want to leave the same way I started it, with the woods are lovely, dark, and deep, but I have promises to keep and miles to go before I sleep and miles to go before I sleep. 
And as long as you're patient and persistent, you will enjoy the road to success. Good news. We're partnering. The Business Savvy Singer podcast is delighted to be included in the NatsCast network. NatsCast is the official podcast network of the National Association of Teachers of Singing. It's an honor to be part of this community and have the opportunity to provide encouragement, education, and entertainment to singers everywhere. Singers, have you ever wanted to improve your sight reading skills? Do you want to hear harmonies better and sing them more easily? Would you like to be able to improvise and sing more styles of music? Donovan Mixon's performance ear training can help you with all of these things. Donovan has been a faculty member at Berklee College of Music and is an expert in this field. Doesn't matter where you live, classes are offered online. Visit donmixon.com. Check out our show notes for more info. The Business Savvy Singer podcast is brought to you by the privatemusicstudio.net, Eternal Wolf Music, and Greta Pope Entertainment. Let us know if you know of a singer who is having great success in the music business. We'd love to share their story and their journey on this podcast. Send your emails to info at gretapope.com. We've had a great time with you today. See you next time on the Business Savvy Singer podcast. The Business Savvy Singer. Singer.